In this week's episode of Tech Powered Luxury, we hear from Indian content creator Shloka Narang Sansarma. Raised in Mumbai with a passion for fashion from an early age, Shloka's education and creative journey brought her from India to London, starting with film and ultimately evolving into a showcase of both Western and Indian designers through her ever-evolving Instagram and Pinterest communities. Tech Powered Luxury is proud to be sponsored by Seabody, an Irish-based, tech-powered beauty and wellness brand. Seabody has developed a unique next-gen approach to seaweed-based skincare and supplements. Luxury powered by technology with innovation at its core is exactly what this podcast is about. Find Seabody on Instagram or at seabody.com to discover their innovative products. Hello and welcome to Tech Powered Luxury, your weekly podcast dedicated to the intersection of luxury and technology in all of its shapes and forms. The goal of each of these episodes is to bring international and actionable insights to people passionate about the luxury and tech industries. For today's episode of Tech Powered Luxury, we have London-based Shloka Narang Sansarma. Shloka has been growing an online presence since launching her blog, The Silk Sneaker, in 2015, which has developed into an ever-evolving mood board of Shloka's life and style across Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. With a focus on luxury fashion and beauty, Shloka has carved out her niche, and it's no surprise that the luxury brands from across the globe want to work with her for content creation, brand awareness, and tapping into her following of luxury enthusiasts. Originally from Bombay, India, Shloka's style is an East meets West fusion of fashion and we often have glimpses into the incredible local and independent Indian designers that she supports. I am delighted to have Shloka as a guest on Tech Powered Luxury today to inspire and enlighten us on her role within the ecosystem of the digital and luxury worlds. Shloka, welcome. Hi, (laughs) thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you here. To get started, I'd like to ask you the big scary question. (laughs) Um, Who are you and what led you to where you are today? Okay, I always struggle with this question. Even when I'm asked this question at like a live event and you you tend to sort of go blank and forget everything about yourself. Um, But my name is Shloka and I am originally from Mumbai, India. I still call it Bombay, but I know lots of people prefer to call it Mumbai now. I was born and raised there actually and my whole family still lives there. So for 18 years of my life, I grew up in the hustle and bustle of Bombay. I then moved to London um, in 2012, so about 10 years ago, and since then, it's been my home. I am a fashion and beauty and lifestyle content creator on, as you said, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, and um, yeah, it's been a very exciting journey so far. (laughs) I love to hear it. Uh, Shloka and I, we actually know each other for many, many years. The first time that we connected was when I was working at Dior. And we reached out to you. It was for the launch of the Collection Privé. Yeah. So the private collection of beautiful perfumes from Dior. And of course, you were someone that we thought of immediately being a tastemaker, someone that was really involved with fashion, a Dior lover as well. I know that you love Dior. (laughs) And we know that your audience as well is one that is very much enthusiastic when it comes to high-end fashion, but also fragrance and beauty and whatnot. So it's great to go full circle and now have you on the podcast. Yes. (laughs) But your story is somewhat of a fairy tale going from the bustling city of Mumbai or Bombay, as you call it, to one of the world's fashion capitals, London, and bringing your followers on this 
this journey with you between the two cities? Because you, you go back and forth actually quite a lot. Yes, I do. I myself as an expat, whenever I go home, I'm reconnected with my culture, reconnected with the local fashion. And it's what makes life interesting as well. I think like going back and forth has helped me stay in tune with myself as well. Like a huge part of who I am. I always... I always tell my friends, I'm like, you can take the girl out of Bombay, but you can't take the Bombay out of the girl. <laughs> and there's just so much of me that is from where I'm from. And I think it's so important to go back and connect with your roots and culture. Plus, it helps me stay on top of what's happening in, in the world of fashion. <laughs> Absolutely. And we see that through your content and through your journey over the years. And you showcase these beautiful Indian designers through your content. But if we look at how it all started. So it started actually with the blog, old school. You're one of the OGs, the silk sneaker, um, which of course was an actual website, which you still have. And you also have a really prominent following on Instagram and Pinterest. You have just launched YouTube. So check Shloka out there. But can you tell us a little bit more about that evolution of creating really a, a business around content and sharing your style, advice and whatnot? Absolutely. So, I mean, when I remember when I started my blog, it was like you said, it was OG. We were all still opening up WordPress every day and, and looking at titles and what should I share and writing. And I think that's actually something I still quite miss. I love to write and I love to tell stories. When I was younger, my dream job was to be a filmmaker. Oh. I wanted to tell stories in a visual format. I actually almost pursued that as my career. And in some ways, I'm taking a lot of what I learned along that journey and applying it to where I am right now. And you know, screenwriting and editing. Those were all things that I was really passionate about. And then starting my blog was this amazing creative outlet for me when I decided not to pursue that further. And the Silk Sneaker itself, that name, I remember my now husband was my boyfriend at the time. And I will never forget, we were, I was like, I want to start a blog. It was actually his idea, to be fair. I have to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, he was like, oh, you know, do you read blogs? I'll never forget that. And I was like, what's a blog? And I remember he he opened my eyes to, I think at the time it was Kiara Fragni. And then suddenly I fell down this hole of like Crystal Lim and Song of Style and all these amazing women who are still till today doing amazing things. And I was like, oh, I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to do it. And the name came from the East meets West sort of aspect of my life. The silk is for the fact that I'm from India. It's one of like the most luxurious fabrics and comes from India and sneakers because, well, I'm always in sneakers, but also it's that sort of West aspect of me, the sort of more contemporary modern aspect of me. And it kind of defines exactly who I am. And um, that's how it started me writing (laughs) on my WordPress every day. And then that evolved into Instagram and now into YouTube and Pinterest. And it's just been a journey. I've just kind of gone with it. (laughs) It's really interesting. And actually, Obviously, the podcast is called Tech Powered Luxury. I'm a firm believer that the luxury industry evolves with technological shifts. And actually, you have as well, because when you started out as a blogger, a writer, that's what was available to you. That was the medium that existed. And now as these tech companies have shifted, we've gone from 3G to 4G to 5G. You're actually now leaning into that you know, original dream of being a filmmaker, yes. a scriptwriter, and leveraging that through the videos that you have, whether it's on YouTube or on Instagram. Absolutely. Yeah. You kind of have, I think that's the biggest thing about being a content creator, um, especially when you are in a niche, you do need to keep abreast of sort of what is happening and how technology is moving forward. And how can you then use that to connect with your audience? I also find like functioning within a niche 
is is amazing and I love it, but it comes with its own challenges as well. And if you want to share everything you know about that niche, you have to do it in a way that's accessible to everyone, in a way that everyone is sort of using Instagram right now or using the internet. And you you keep up with that. So of course, reels and video, that's that's the thing now. So absolutely <laughs> we go with it. Maybe you could take a minute to tell us a little bit about who is your online audience? What do they look like? Are they men? Are they women? What are they interested in? Where are they from? Because as a content creator, especially with a niche, your audience is key. That's the most important thing, actually. Yes, I always say I am nothing without my audience. I'm nothing without my community. They are what keeps me grounded, but also what keep me inspired and remind me why I do what I do every single day. My audience is mainly women. I'd say 80% of my audience is women. And it's an interesting mix. I have a a very large following that's actually based in India. Uh, A lot of whom are from Mumbai, Delhi or Bangalore. And that makes complete sense considering I am Indian. That's where I'm from. That's my, you know, that will always be my first home. So (laughs) that that makes complete sense. And then following that, I actually have a, a quite large audience in the UK, London being the biggest one. And the US, <laughs> which was a little bit of a surprise to me because I've never lived there. Yeah. I have to admit that I think most of my audience, a lot of them are either Indian from India or expats mm-hmm. who live abroad. And there is this sense of community that's been built. I get a lot of messages from girls who've moved away from India who find some sort of connection with me because they have a similar journey or a similar story. And it's always nice to see someone who you can connect with on that emotional level beyond just hey, look at this beautiful new bag. Mm. It is really nice to see a whole community being built around women who look like me and and who find that connection. And then there is also an amazing group of women who are just curious about, who are from all over the world, who are just curious to know what is it like to be Indian? Tell me more about your culture. And they're really interested in sort of the beautiful works that are coming out of India, but also my take on everything that's happening around us. So it's it's definitely very interesting. Fantastic. And I'm not surprised you have a really international following on top of your very strong Indian following because yes. the style that you showcase is beautiful. I'm so into your style. I have been since the day one <laughs> following you. Thank and you. <laughs> I love to see your travels to India. There is nothing more inspiring and exciting than seeing someone <laughs> going back to their country and showcasing it through their eyes. There's nothing more authentic either. Yes. Like the way that you show India when you go back <laughs> through your stories and whatnot, it's just, it's beautiful. Thank you. I imagine that you have enlightened a lot of people on the realities of what it's like to live in India, what it's like to grow up in India, yeah. also the fashion from India. Yes. Um, I mean, I think that it's really interesting how so many things have come full circle and also I didn't realize up until perhaps this moment how how much my my childhood and my experiences as a young adult have shaped why and what I do today. I went to an American school in Bombay and I of course had a lot of friends who were born and brought up in India but I also had a lot of friends who were not mm. um who perhaps were experiencing the culture shock of India for the very first time. And we would do a lot of international trips to different parts of the world, which I'm so lucky and fortunate to have experienced. And I would always have, you know, different students coming up to me being like, so what's it like living in India? And, you know, do you have this and do you have that? And I guess when I started my blog, I was like, oh, I'm very proud of where I'm from. And I want to be able to show that um, and show all the amazing things that come with living and growing up there. The quirks as well. It's definitely a quirky place, (laughs) as it is with any place. 
So I think that's, that's also a huge part of what I do is being authentic and just being really true to myself. And that's a journey I think that has really been important to me over the last couple of months, especially getting back in touch with who I am, what I'm doing and why I do it. I love to hear it. You have your why and that's really key. And actually that leads me into my next question, which I ask everybody as well. It's about their education because both fashion and technology are things that we don't really learn in the, I would say, classroom. (laughs) Not in the sense that we work in the industry today anyway. So it'd be really interesting to hear about your own educational journey, whether that's a formal education or how you've educated yourself on fashion, because you have an incredibly (laughs) rich knowledge of fashion. I learn a lot from your stories as well, especially when you do these handbag editions of videos and whatnot. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that slogan. Absolutely. So I guess I'll take it perhaps further back than maybe some of um, the other guests have. I Like I mentioned that I, I went to an American school mm-hmm. um, in Bombay. It was called the American School of Bombay. And I, I did most of my, my elementary school onwards. I was there. And I mean, I was convinced that I was going to join the film industry. That was my dream. I am... I'm a lifelong learner. I think that's something I get from my dad. I'm always looking to learn something new. I really love educating myself on things that are happening around me. I And I, I tend to become obsessive. I'm like, oh, I'm really interested in this. Now I need to know everything about it. That's just <laughs> a quirk about me. Um, fashion was never something that like I thought I would actually be doing, but it was something that whether I realized it or not, I was learning about all the time. My mother is, is, is loves fashion. All the women in my life, in my family, they love fashion. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was very fortunate and lucky to grow up around that and learn from them and learn from their knowledge and learn from the people that they were friends with who were in the industry and just certain little tidbits of information that you take on. And I would spend every summer you know, doing some something. I was, mm. I, w- I can't sit still. I'm, I mean, I'm recovering from the flu right now and I still yeah. sit still. <laughs> I have to do something. <laughs> so I would, you know, I would go to the States and I would either go, I went, I remember I did a summer course at Columbia with film studies. I went to USC and did film direction, got college credit. I was always that kid. <laughs> okay. It was a really international education, actually. Yes. And a holistic one. Absolutely. Adding in all these elements. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I'm interested in so many different things and so many different topics. And I remember I was already set to go to the States to go study film production. And all these different things happened at the same time that sort of led me to saying no. <laughs> My dad wasn't exactly the most pleased at my last minute decision. <laughs> um, and I was like, no, I can't do this. And I landed up coming to the UK, to London instead. It was a very last minute decision. But everything in life happens for a reason, I think. And like, I would never have met my now husband. I never would have had like all these different opportunities put in front of me, I think. So I'm very grateful. I studied, I studied film production for a couple of months. And I realized very quickly that this was not for me. I was like, no, this is never, this passion of mine is so slowly dying and I have okay. to stop. Um, and I decided to, I was like, okay, what am I actually naturally attuned to? And it turns out that business management and marketing <laughs> was something that came a little bit quite naturally <laughs> to me. And that's what I decided I was going to do. So I wanted something very holistic. I wanted a base that I could do whatever I wanted with it. Um, and I switched and I did business management and marketing as my undergrad. And at the same time, I started my blog. 
And I thought I was going to do a master's, but um, my blog kind of took off from there. And I mean, I, I try and teach myself something all the time. So I realized I was like, no, I don't need that. I need real life experience. <laughs> and that's what I landed up doing after I graduated. I just went all in. <laughs> and super interesting to hear how you had this passion. You did so many side courses, extra courses, and really did yeah. a lot of research on it. And ultimately, it, it wasn't the path for you at that time. And yeah. you were able to make that call, pivot, do something else. And clearly, yes, your <laughs> your skills <laughs> and natural ability, ability uh, aligned with, with business and marketing to be able to leave a degree directly self-employed, you know, with your own business in that yeah. space. That's a huge uh it's a huge feat. So congrats on making <laughs> that happen you. and taking the plunge. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and for anyone else who would be maybe in a similar position today and studying something and they realize it's actually not what they're passionate about and perhaps they are interested in content creation and becoming, you know, an influencer of sort, what recommendations would you have for them to take that leap of faith? I mean, I it was it was by no means an easy decision. I remember changing courses. It was it was definitely a little tricky. There's a lot of self-doubt that comes into play of like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I selling my soul? You know, so yeah. like there's a lot of that. And I think you have to block out the noise, focus on yourself, listen to that inner voice inside you because it is there. I think I'm really lucky to be so in touch with myself. Of course, like anyone I've lost, I've, I've had moments where I've lost my way. Um, but coming back to that center has always been a really huge thing for me um surrounding myself by people with people who support me unconditionally whether that's my parents or my husband and you know having that support has been invaluable and I think my advice would be follow your heart really truly I know it sounds very cheesy but follow your heart because I think deep down inside we all know exactly what it is that we are naturally attuned to and what we naturally love and when you love something, when you really well and truly love something, that's when you probably will perform the best. Um, I'm often asked for advice about how to become an influencer. And I always say it's, I think it's, it's not so much about saying, oh, I want the fame and the numbers and the money. I think it's more about saying, I want to share. Now more than ever, especially in the industry that we function in now, there's there's no barrier to entry, which in itself is almost a barrier to entry because the competition is immense. So authenticity is really key and king in this industry. And it's when, when you're sharing something for ulterior motives, it's really obvious. And when you're sharing something because you love it and you're really passionate about it, that I think is what, what really speaks. So really, if this is the it's the industry where you have to be as vulnerable as ever. <laughs> mm, I completely agree. And when I look at the content creators like yourself who are succeeding today, but have been succeeding for a long time, it's that consistency of knowing what the niche that they're passionate yes. about is. Continuing with that, always having their values at their forefront. They're the creators that we love to watch and we love to see them evolve as well. Because of course, like our style and taste can change over time, but values usually they yeah. remain Pretty much I the same. Say that. Yeah, your values don't change. <laughs> yeah, um, I love to hear that. And maybe uh, if we look now at, at your Indian roots and how they have really shaped your sense of style, of course, you showcase a little bit of that in your wardrobe. And one of the biggest surprises to me since launching this podcast is how many people in India have been listening. So it's actually, <laughs> it's crazy. It's reached top 10 in the beauty and fashion category. 
Which I love to hear. In India. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've, I've really taken that information and said, okay, well, how can I bring something that's even more relevant to that audience that can inspire them and bring people who are from India who have an Indian heritage. We had Akash Mehta on for yeah. our 13 episode, sharing his journey as a brand creator, Fable and Maine, completely inspired by his Indian heritage. So it's amazing to have you here now today as well. And imagining that we have lots of <laughs> listeners from <laughs> India uh, here to listen to your story, maybe they're wondering how they can carve out a career in fashion like you have, maybe leaving India and going to one of these fashion capitals, whether it be London or New York or Milan or Paris, would you have any recommendations or advice on taking that leap? And I think this applies to people in any country, yeah. actually, and especially if you're growing up in a rural country or a city that's not known as being a fashion capital. Absolutely. How did you do it? How did you take that leap? Go to London and say, I'm pursuing this international fashion career. <laughs> I know I get this question a lot. This question probably pops up in my my direct messages on Instagram, at least at a minimum, once every couple of days. You can send them this link now. <laughs> and be like, <laughs> long answer this. here. <laughs> Please come listen here. Um, and it's, 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 I know it sounds, it sounds really funny when I say it, it was not something I planned. Mm. I, I remember when I came to university in London, I, I am a planner, which is really funny because I just said it's not something I planned. I am usually a planner. Like <laughs> Everything all, else is planned. <laughs> my friends will tell you that I, I have, I plan. That's my thing. <laughs> I plan. And I planned on going back to India. That was the plan. And this really came from a place of just love and passion. And it led me to carving out a niche and carving out a space that allowed me to stay which was crazy. And I know how lucky and fortunate I am. I know that luck played a huge role in that as well. Mm. And I think that one of the biggest challenges was taking that very first step to move. I was so afraid. I remember that. I was very, I was 18 years old. I had never lived away from my home. I had been lucky and fortunate enough to travel the world with my family, but traveling somewhere and living somewhere are two very different things. Yeah. As an expat, this time, you'll know. Without the family. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't I, all moving with you. <laughs> no, and I grew up in that, like, you know, with my family surrounding me and suddenly I was all alone and that was definitely scary. And I would say that my biggest advice would be, A, it's you have to get over that fear first of it's going to be, prepare yourself for the idea that, there are days that are lonely. There are moments that are tough. But I think when you have that goal in your mind of, okay, I'm here. I want to achieve this. This is what I'm aiming for. You, That's what keeps you going. So it's really about having that real love and passion for what you do because mm. that's what's going to get you through all those really hard and difficult moments. Um, I would also say that like putting yourself out there, the world is getting smaller and smaller thanks to technology. Yes. Reach out to people, you know, who are doing what you what you're doing, whether that's reaching out to me over DM because I always try and respond, or reaching <laughs> out to someone else who's perhaps traveling the world and doing something that you want to do. Just reach out, you know, ask questions. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to work together, to collaborate. Um, I'd say that collaborating and working together with people is also one of the biggest ways that you can, A, figure out if this is really the path you want to take and B, if it is, kind of helps you along that journey because you learn so much. Absolutely. And like you said, find your community. Yeah. Uh, that's been really key for me. I think as someone who grew up in rural Ireland, I didn't have a lot of road models who looked or sounded like me yeah. succeeding within the fashion industry. Sometimes you have to really seek them out or look at, well, who is succeeding 
in whatever fashion house or whatever brand or area that I want to to work in. And maybe there is somebody there that you didn't know about. Maybe they're a generation or two ahead of you. Look at what they've done. What's their path been? You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And looking at what you've done, Shloka, for example, you've laid it out there. The biggest challenge was just getting on the plane, heading off. (laughs) That was the biggest challenge ever was getting on the plane. (laughs) <laughs> the plane and going and just deciding okay this is it that's the day buy my ticket off I go yeah <laughs> making making a plan I think making a plan is always actually pretty important whenever you decide okay this is what I'm aiming for you know write it down and, and make it happen yeah not necessarily manifesting it but putting the idea in your head that you can do it believing in yourself and then taking all those little steps to get closer to whatever the goal is yeah absolutely because I'm always told that like the biggest obstacle between you and achieving your goals is, is usually yourself yeah. So it's, it's mindset. Yeah. Completely so if you agree. change your mindset and just say, I'm going to do whatever it takes, I'm going to get myself out there. I'm going to connect with others. I'm going to put mm-hmm. myself out there. There's obviously a lot of vulnerability that happens in that. Putting yourself out there is scary, but that's, I think, really the difference that it takes. And being ready for the rejection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just comes. It's fine. It's okay. Don't take it as the last word. Just Absolutely. keep going. Absolutely. It's, it's okay. a part of the journey. <laughs> it keeps us all grounded. <laughs> Absolutely. I myself, I applied for over a hundred jobs at LVMH before I finally got my internship at the at the group. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of emails I've sent out to brands before I've ever gotten a response. <laughs> Yeah, it's just being consistent. And every time you come back with that application or that request to collaborate, that between that last application and now that you've improved, you've gotten better, you've closed the gap on whatever it is that maybe wasn't ready yet at that point. It's just continuously improving, re-educating yourself and whatnot. Yeah. Tech Powered Luxury sponsor Seabody uses state-of-the-art blue biotechnologies and marine biodiscovery. Seabody includes the most potent and closest to nature molecules in their ranges of skincare and supplements. You can discover more about Seabody on Instagram or at seabody.com. Shloka, we cannot talk about fashion in India without mentioning Indian weddings <laughs> and <laughs> the incredible style that these extravagant events are known for globally. I have not yet been lucky enough to attend an Indian wedding, but I hope one of my Indian friends gets married and that yes. I get invited. <laughs> so Sabisachi. Mukherjee obviously instantly comes to mind for me. I was lucky enough to have lunch with him once in London. So he is, I think, the most iconic Indian designer. And he's really well known, of course, for all of his occasion wear and his wedding gowns. He has dressed Bollywood stars, countless brides, Indian icons, you name it. Like he has done it. And he has been doing this since 1999 when he launched his fashion house. So maybe for the international audiences listening in, could you share with us a little bit about that incredible craftsmanship that goes into creating these intricate Indian masterpieces. Absolutely. I mean, India is home to such amazing craftsmanship, such amazing, like it's, it, I feel like every piece that comes out of these houses is like a work of art. Like mm. for example, Rahul Mishra is this amazing Indian designer who just showed at Paris Couture Week. Um, which is a huge win, you know, That's for amazing. I'm so even. happy to see this. Yeah. Yeah. And it made, it makes me so proud and so happy to see that. And I think one of the the pieces, it was like over 7,000 hours of handwork that went into it. It's into one piece. Abs- yeah. It, it's crazy. And a lot of international brands actually outsource a lot of their handwork to India. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the level of craftsmanship is amazing. And, you know, with Sabio Sachi, you see it across many different things with lots of different designers. 
So it's not all just like sequence and beads. There's thread work, there's printing, there's dyeing. There's so much that happens that come from different parts of India. And for me, at least it was a journey of figuring out what it was that spoke to me. Um, and then also what speaks to me is different than what speaks to the other women in my family. But I think it's important to mention it's, it's a lot like we talk about handbags. I talk a lot about luxury handbags on my on my platform, how like, oh, this is something you can pass down. Or, you know, this is something my mom passed down to me. But Absolutely. it's it's beyond that. I mean, my mother's wedding sari is now sitting in my in my closet. You know, these are I just recently bought this beautiful, beautiful sari from another amazing Indian fashion um, house called Tarun Taliani. There's so much heritage and so much work that goes into these these pieces. He designed something for my mother, my grandmother, and now for me. And then to have that piece, it really is a forever piece that I hope I can pass down. A lot of the work that goes into these pieces is really, it's forever. Yeah. And I think that that's what's amazing about Indian fashion. <laughs> and it's probably not what everybody knows about fashion when it comes to India. I'm sure in India, that's part of the culture. You yeah. are really aware of that and you look up to these different Indian designers, but globally amongst non-Indian communities, they're probably not that well known. And I hope that changes. I mean, Paris Couture Fashion Week, events like this, this is going to put Indian designers on the map and showcasing that craftsmanship. Like you said, 7,000 hours for one piece. Yeah, I, I hope that's, so. That's a work of art. <laughs> yes, I really hope so. I mean, I know my, I got a, a message from my cousin. She, she loves, she loves fashion. She studied it in, in university as well. And she sent me a story of Ashley Park from Emily in Paris. Yeah, I love Ashley Park. Me too. I think she has amazing style. Uh, and she was wearing this Rahul Mishra dress. It's like this iconic collection of his, which is like the tree of life. It was so exciting for both of us to see that, you know, someone that we think is amazing, look up to, and then to see her wearing a designer from where you're from. And it was just, it was, it was amazing. It's the, that feeling of being seen, mm -hmm. you know, it, that, that really is incredible. Definitely. I do see a big shift within fashion when it comes to representation of designers from different backgrounds, different countries, and leaning into their own heritage, their own culture yeah. for those inspirations. I see that as the future in the next decades. It's leaning into these niche brands, these independent yes. designers. It's so authentic. As you said, people are so proud to see the designers from their home countries succeed. And we have to give them that platform. I, I'm Absolutely. the exact same with all the Irish designers yeah. that I love wearing and supporting. I want to see them on an international stage. I want to see them succeed. And the only way we can do that is by all supporting the designers from our home places, our home countries. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when it comes to the fashion designers coming out of India today, are there a couple that you would recommend for people to maybe follow on Instagram or to have on their radar? Oh, I need to grab my phone as well so I don't forget people. <laughs> but um, I think there's so many. It also really depends. India has like a very large, a very large set of designers. You have the ones who are doing more sort of traditional Indian silhouettes. And then you mm. also have the ones who are doing very cool like much smaller brands, but that are doing very cool contemporary things, um, which I think is really fun. So, and then you have the ones who do a little bit of both, you know, who have this amazing mix. Yes. So of course there's Sabya Sachi, who is iconic and renowned. Then there's Rahul Mishra, who I think is absolutely incredible. Um, there's another one called Jade by Monica and Karishma. They do the most beautiful thread work and embroidery langas that they're just unbelievably beautiful um and Tarantaliani is another favorite of mine um he's just classic and everyone who 
who's born and brought up in India, they know that name. They're like, yes, classic. <laughs> um, and of course, Manish Malhotra, who's a little bit more glitz and glam, but equally yeah. beautiful. And then there's another uh, really cool one that I wanted to just mention called Cubic, who are newer, but they have very cool and fun silhouettes that are a bit more modern, but very cool and up and coming, which I thought, I always think it's nice to highlight brands that are younger. Well, we're going to put all of those brands names in the show highlights. So if anyone's listening, you can just scroll down to the description of this podcast episode and you'll find all of the names there because there's nothing that I love more than giving a platform for independent and emerging designers. And then of course, if if anyone ever wanted to find some more, they could just find me on Instagram constantly posting. Of (laughs) course. Amazing, amazing (laughs) designers that I find, which I always, it's always very exciting when you find someone new. Absolutely. I feel like you're going to have to do a YouTube episode completely dedicated to this as well. I think so. I was literally yeah. just thinking that. I was like, wow, there's so many. <laughs> and are there any fashion weeks in India that are really standing out now and that are, you know, up and coming in terms of making it onto the, the global fashion week scale? Yes. It's so funny you asked me that. I literally just booked my tickets to go back. <laughs> Fantastic. Which one? So we have two fashion weeks that happen twice a year in India, one in Mumbai and one in Delhi. Um, Lakme Fashion Week is happening now in March. So that's what I'll be flying back for. Um, And then the one in Delhi is also amazing. They just happen at two different times of the year and the collections are slightly different, especially like the one in October. It's a little heavier, a little bit more glamorous because we're coming into Indian wedding season. Mm -hmm. Um, So the collections are a little different than the one that we'll perhaps we'll see now in March, which is a little lighter, especially with the weather. Um, But those are the two big fashion weeks that we have. Um, And it's always really exciting. I remember going as a kid with my mom actually to some of the designers that she was like she had a really good relationship with and being really excited about it and so again it feels like things coming full circle that this time I'm going in my own right um as a creator and that that feels really amazing (laughs) well I actually cannot wait to follow your journey and I really hope you do an entire YouTube episode or at least some long video I think I have to you're gonna have to you have to do it and showcase it to the world because your audience whether they're Indian in India Indian abroad or people like me international I want to see it because it's not something that we see every day and you know you talk about these gowns 7,000 hours put into one piece they are works of art and they deserve their entire fashion two fashion weeks a year at least um, for themselves (laughs) Absolutely. So Shloka, looking to the future, what is next for you? Oh, wow. That's a, it's such a big question. Um, <laughs> I think I love the trajectory that I'm on and it's it's been really fun. And But I have such big dreams and such high hopes. Of course, number one is to consistently and constantly grow this amazing community of women who we have this sort of shared love for all things luxury, whether that's of Indian heritage or not. Um Again, as I say, I'm nothing without my community. And I love being able to connect with different women around the world. I think there's something so amazing about that. I just started my YouTube, which I think is pretty, it's a pretty exciting new chapter for me. I remember a conversation you and I had way back when. Yeah, this (laughs) was two and a half years ago when I worked at at Google and I was obviously working a lot with YouTube. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad you're doing it. You should start a YouTube. You'd be so good at it. And I was like, really? You think so? (laughs) So I think that's my next journey. And I think my dream is to have my sort of own tangible brand. I think that would be the absolute dream. What what that is, I don't know yet. But like something I can have and hold. That's my overarching goal. (laughs) But yeah, we'll see. Lots of things in the works. It's all very exciting. (laughs) Brilliant. And I guess 
this is tech powered luxury at the end of the day. So if we take about to tech and technology, uh, what do you think will be the biggest technological shift within luxury, especially fashion in the upcoming months and years? Ooh, that's such a, also another nice big question. Um, I think there's obviously a huge shift in towards video content that is seen. Like I'm obviously looking at this from the perspective of social media and marketing, because that's sort of how I, I guess I interpret everything now. Um, video content is absolutely key, absolutely king. And that's what's pushing the boundaries across the board. But I also think that along with that, there is an element of authenticity that needs to come through. I know that that is a huge challenge for luxury brands. Um, they've been functioning in a certain way, in a specific format for so long. But now more than ever, audiences, especially ones with buying power, are looking for something authentic that speaks to them that isn't just your standard ad or your standard product push. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how video can help brands perhaps provide a more insider look into what they do and what they're about, what they stand for and who they are. I definitely think that this that video is definitely the future from that perspective in terms of tech. I'm also really curious to see how tech plays a role in the more production standpoint for brands um, and how they can create new products and new things that are perhaps more sustainable or just more innovative. I mean, there was that, of course, that iconic moment at Fashion Week where Bella Hadid had a spray-on dress. You know, and Absolutely. that's not possible. An iconic tech. moment. <laughs> yeah. So tech, I think, is more than just anything on the digital sphere. It's also actual physical, tangible product and how that plays a role. So I'm very curious to see how different brands can use technology to create products that are pushing the boundaries. Definitely. And today it's actually Republic Day in India. Yes, so we're recording uh, on Thursday, January 26th. Uh, yeah. Ashoka's episode is going live on the 7th of February. So it's also a lovely meaning behind our, our yes. day of recording. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, but Shloka, I have one last question for you. And first of all, thank you so much because you've shared your incredible knowledge. You've given a beautiful insight into what fashion means um, for people from India and for Indian people living around the world. So to close the episode, last question, what is the one skill that you would recommend industry insiders or perhaps people aspiring to become an industry insider? to start working on today? <laughs> this is my American, my international school, like education coming out now, where it's like, <laughs> this is something that's like drilled into us from the very yeah. beginning. It's like critical thinking. Um, and that, that it, I know it sounds really odd, but I do think that that is a skill that one can learn, teach yourself and develop over time. Critical thinking in the sense of looking at something and being able to say, okay, this is what it is. And then being able to analyze it from different perspectives and then being able to say, okay, this is what I can learn and take away from it. This is what I can evolve from that. Mm. And that's how I can grow. And being able to take in lots of information, analyze it and learn and grow from it. I think that's the biggest skill of that anyone who's like looking to sort of jump into the industry would need because creativity is one thing, technical skill is the other, but you have to have that sort of independent thought and that critical thinking of saying, all right, how can I move past what everyone else is doing and then share my own perspective, be authentic and, you know, really provide something that is more, provide some meaning to it. And I always tell everyone who's looking to start, if they're ever trying to be a content creator, I'm like, your biggest asset is yourself, being yourself and giving your own perspective. No one else is you. That's, that's really your superpower, right? 
So critical thinking, I think, is the one thing that everyone needs to sort of, I am constantly trying to develop that skill in myself all the time, every day. So that's my number one advice. <laughs> that's fantastic. Critical thinking, it's something that I think is overlooked a lot of the time, but no matter yeah. what we do in life. And actually, even for me, I've seen it over the years. It's so important in a creative space because it's so hard to figure out, well, what is the end point? What am I trying to achieve or create here? You will never produce or your creativity will never be executed if you can't bring critical thought. Exactly. And if you're not able to bring a framework mm -hmm. and figure out, well, where are these thoughts going and what can they turn into? Absolutely. Which is really important if you're in a space where you need to create, especially as a content creator. Yeah, it's all about balance. Just like anything in life, it's all about balance. <laughs> yeah. Creativity, yes, it's really key and it's a huge part of it. But at the end of the day, if you can't execute that, mm -hmm. then you don't really have anything to show and you don't have anything to learn from and you don't have anything to progress with. So it's really key. It also goes beyond that. It's like you've, you've created it, you've executed it. But then if you can't learn from what you've created and executed already, then there's no going up from there, right? You kind of stay stagnant. The critical so. thinking doesn't stop after execution. Exactly. <laughs> you Absolutely. have to analyze the results. It's constant. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Shloka, thank you so much. For anyone that's listening, you can follow Shloka on Instagram at Shloka, S-H-L-O-K-A. And you can find her on Pinterest as The Silk Sneaker. And now you can find her on YouTube as well. So I'll definitely yeah. be tuning in to watch all of that Fashion Week content. I cannot wait. It's going thank to be so you. beautiful. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley. You're so welcome. Uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you soon in London or I hope somewhere so. else in the world. Or perhaps you'll come to Fashion Week with me in India. <laughs> oh, that would be the dream. I'm going to look up the dates now. I'm probably, this could be my first trip to India and what a Let's way to do, do it. it. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Shloka, thank you so much. Um, enjoy you. this uh, very important day for India. And I can't wait for people to hear your story. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Tech Powered Luxury, your weekly podcast on all things luxury and tech. If you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and follow Tech Powered Luxury on Instagram, TikTok, Snap, Twitter, LinkedIn, or sign up to our weekly newsletter. Tech Powered Luxury is proud to partner with GladCloud, the platform that is powering our media campaigns through its collaborative social media marketing platform, which is perhaps how you have discovered the podcast today. We'd love to hear from you if you have any ideas, questions, or would like to join us as a guest. 